today we're going to start a new series called This Is My Story. And this has been inspired by some of my time whilst I've been on sabbatical. Some of you uh, may not know that I've just been on three months of sabbatical. And as part of that time, I went to visit some of our link missionaries in Thailand. And whilst I was with Helen and Witt in Thailand, I had the huge honor of hearing a whole host of different people share some of their story with me. The story of how they came to faith, or the story of their lives. And one of those things that really struck me whilst I was um, away was just how beautifully and wonderfully these relatively new Christians spoke about their faith in, in Jesus. They loved to tell me the story of, how, of the difference that Jesus had made to their lives since they'd encountered him. They had embraced and, and caught up in the wonder of Jesus' transformation in their lives. And as I reflected on this, it struck me that if we're honest, the church in the West is sometimes not very good at talking about the story of Jesus in our lives. For some of us, uh, for that, that moment that we first encountered Jesus was so long ago that it seems like it was a complete lifetime ago. For some of us, as we think about the story of how we met Jesus, we suddenly start to get a bit anxious. What if what I'm saying isn't theologically accurate? How could I possibly share my story? Sometimes just the wonder of that first encounter with Jesus fades over time as we go through the time of life. Maybe for others of us, just people wondered, why should people really be bothered about hearing my story after all? When I was at college, um, I was asked to share my testimony with someone, and there was two of us who'd been asked, and so uh, I was second to speak in line. The first guy stood up. And he shared his story. And boy, did he have a story of God moving in his life. He'd, had, he'd been there and done it all. He was involved in gangs, crime, drugs, the whole shebang. And then God broke through miraculously and wonderfully into his life and completely transformed his life. A really wonderful, powerful testimony of the power and greatness of our God. And then people looked at me. And... Needless to say, I ain't been in no gangs. I ain't done no drugs, uh, apart from paracetamol when I'm not feeling very well. Uh, It's just not my story. And I sat there and I said, started telling my story with saying, my story is nowhere near as exciting as Mike's, who's just spoken before me. And I told the rest of my story, and I went off about the rest of my day. And then later on, I was walking through the corridor, and Mike literally grabbed me by the ear. And I was like, you're kind of hard, so I'm not going to react to that. Uh, But he grabbed me by the ear, and he sat me down, and he told me off. He said, Matt, never say that your story is not significant. Your story is just as amazing as my story is, because your story is the story of the God of all creation revealing his love and his life into the midst of your life. Never take that for granted. And I was like, you're right. You're right. We need to honor even those testimonies that aren't full of great, wonderful, life-transforming stories. They all are life-transforming. 
if, even if you're not a mic, you still have a testimony that is amazing to be heard. We need to embrace the story of Jesus' transformation in our lives as we live for Jesus. We should never take our testimony for granted. We should never get too far away from our testimony, from that first encounter with Jesus. It's a defining moment, the moment on which the whole of our lives change, the moment when the love and the wonder of who Jesus is breaks into our lives and is first revealed to us. So throughout this series, we're going to be looking at one of the greatest and most famous testimonies of all time, that of Saul, who then went on to become the Apostle Paul. And over the next four weeks, we're going to look at his conversion on the road to Damascus. Now, for many of us here, I'm sure that our story is nothing like that of Saul's. Hands up if you've ever tried to kill someone or been around as someone's been murdered. You're not Saul. That's good news. Um, But in all of our stories, uh, we have something to share uh, that is similar to the story of of Saul's story as well. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to look at that together and see how we can share our story as we see Saul's story lived out in Acts chapter 9 together. But before we hear Saul's story... I also wanted to share with you some of the story that I heard whilst I was in Thailand. And so, first of all, we're going to listen to a video for just a couple of minutes that shares Bam's story with us this morning. God changed my life since I came to know him about three years now God had changed many areas in love including the study uh, wisdom the giving the understanding about God a very clear answer God had changed me that uh, I was very uh, hot-tempered and aggressive. Then I come to know Jesus and study God's Word. God changing my attitude, my heart, and then gradually changed me uh, into God's way. Secondly, uh, uh, my study, uh, it, it, yeah, it's when I'm, I'm in now the year like uh, CFE and toward the uh, uh, year 12, and uh, God helped me about my study, the thing that I don't understand, and I pray to God to give me wisdom and life for, ex- life for the exams. I ask God for them, I seek the Lord, the Lord answer my prayer, and I relied on Him, and the result it uh, came out in a good result and my mom uh, family are very proud of me and God had changed me a lot thirdly uh, my daily walk uh, with Jesus if people do not know uh, Jesus they just uh, don't know live purposelessly but now I I come to uh, spend time with God, have my devotional time, read the word of God and then pray and God changed me. God is so good to me. He's wonderful. He's great. Uh, 
He is so kind to me, and he's lovely and he care for me. And all my circumstances, whatever that I face in my family or in the church, yeah, that I confuse, but. But I study the word of God and help me and understand God's will and God change me, uh, have a better thinking. I thank you, God, for that. So that's Bam's story, and I love that declaration that she said. God changed my life. Since I came to know him, Bam is one of the young people of the church in Wendang, uh, the church that we've helped support and plant out there. And she's a remarkable young lady, and it was a joy to be able to hear some of her story. Um, we're now going to spend some time looking at Saul's story of how God changed his life. And if you've got your Bibles, we're now going to read God's word together from Acts chapter nine, and we're going to read the first nine verses. Uh, together this morning, and the words will pop up on the screen um, if you want to follow along and don't have a Bible with you or on your phone. Um, so let's listen to Acts chapter nine together. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. As we come to look at this passage together, we're going to leave it on a cliffhanger and you'll have to come back next week to hear what happens to the rest of Saul's story. Um, but I thought we would start by reading, I'll share, thinking about a little bit of context uh, to Saul in this passage because Saul is not, this isn't the first time we've come across Saul in the book of Acts. In the previous two chapters, if you want to look back later or as, we, as I'm speaking, uh, you'll see that in, um, uh, Saul is there as Stephen, the, one of the first apostles to be martyred, is stoned to death and Saul is stood there on the sidelines holding coats of those people who are stoning Stephen just for his faith in Jesus. And then at the start of chapter 8, we're told how Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house and dragging people to prison. And in verse 1, we're told that Saul is still on this rampage. But now not only is he going around from house to house in Jerusalem persecuting the Christian church, but he's now decided to expand his work. No longer is Jerusalem good enough. He sees there's those Christians in Damascus as well. And so he says, 
I want to go over there. Can I have permission to go and get these people of the way, these people who follow Jesus and his way, and persecute them in Damascus just as I've been doing here in Jerusalem? This famous story that I'm sure many of us will know of Saul encountering Jesus for the first time starts in the most unexpected of ways. Saul is speaking murderous threats against God's people. This isn't just someone who's being a little bit critical. This isn't someone who's just a bit anti and holds one of those awkward, difficult positions. The level of hatred that Paul had for people who had met Jesus consumed him. And he was going out of his way to stamp out these pesky Christians any which way he could. This illustrates for me two things that I think that all of us have in common with Saul. And the first of these is that he calls us out of opposition. As far as I know... Thankfully, no one's owned up to it, at least. None of us have tried to kill someone or have persecuted Christians for their faith in Jesus here today. There's no one here who's breathed out murderous threats against God's people as Saul had. In that sense, Saul is an extreme example. But just like Saul, we too are called out of opposition as we encounter Jesus. The thing is, if we're not living for Jesus, then we are going to be living against him. You can't have this sort of sitting in the middle ground. We might not be as extreme as Saul, but we have all got that rebellious spirit within us. We all take stands on the things that we think are right rather than the things that God says are right. We look at we, we make decisions based on our own self-interests rather than God's interests. In our own stories, we need to recognize that we have our own failings. We have our own brokenness. We all are in, have our own opposition to God. But even whilst Saul was pouring out murderous threats against his church. Even whilst he was in opposition, uh, Jesus entered into Saul's life. And that's true for all of us here today as well. What an amazing, extraordinary image of grace we see in this passage. If there is one person that God could have just looked at and said, you know what? That guy is causing me far too much hassle. He's beyond help. I just want him out of the way. I'm going to zap him and be done with Saul. And then all my Christian people can live happily ever after. Surely that would have been Saul. God could have done that. But that's not what he does. Instead, Jesus comes and reveals himself to Saul, even when he's threatening to kill and persecute his people. As Saul set out onto the, on, on, on the road to Damascus that morning, he had absolutely no intention of choosing to change his life and to follow Jesus instead. And yet in, Jesus chose Saul and said, that's the guy that I want to reveal myself to. That's the guy that I want to show just how much I love him today. Just like Saul, 
We have been called out of opposition and we stand in the amazing grace of Jesus. May we never lose sight of the wonder of his grace in our lives that he has shown to us, that is a part of our story. I was in opposition, but then the love and the grace of Jesus came and found me just where I am. That's the story of Saul. It's the story of each one of us here. As the great hymn Amazing Grace reminds us, we were once wretched, lost, blind, broken, But now we can stand amazed that Jesus has revealed his love to me and poured out his grace upon my life. We can never be too broken or too far from Jesus. We can never escape the wonder of his amazing love and grace. Saul meets with Jesus, and as he meets with Jesus, this great flash of light surrounds him, leaving him blinded to all around him. Some of us might have had a similar encounter to Saul. Like my friend Mike, God moved in his his life in miraculous and wonderful ways, and, and had this great supernatural encounter. When I hear stories like this, it makes me think of Jesus' pledge that even if the disciples don't speak out, even if the church doesn't speak out, uh, God will never be silenced. Even the stones will cry out, revealing and proclaiming the glory of God. So when we hear these wonderful, miraculous stories, we should celebrate them and marvel at them and celebrate the power of God breaking through even into sometimes the most hopeless of situations. But I suspect that many of us, for many of us, our story might be different to that of Saul's. Maybe a bit more similar to mine, where there wasn't any great flash of light. I never saw uh, a light so bright that I had to be guided um, uh, to my next destination. I never had my life transformed in the same way that Mike did. My life had never been in that same place that it needed to be transformed that hugely. But when I encountered Jesus, instead his light invaded my life still but just in a very different way to that which it did with Saul. All of a sudden, a great light flashed and surrounded Saul. In John 8, uh, verse 12, Jesus declares that I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Throughout the Bible, light is often used as an illustration of God revealing himself into the world. In Genesis, at the start of all creation, God spoke light and life into the darkness. The prophet Isaiah declares that the people in the darkness have seen a great light as he looks forward with anticipation to Jesus being born. And then as Jesus is born, just a few weeks ago, we were reminded of those first words in John's gospel, that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Saul himself went on as the Apostle Paul to write a letter to the church in Corinth where he wrote this, uh, that since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. 
For God, who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. As we encounter Jesus, his light surrounds us. It invades us and it remains within us. It was true for Saul, it's true for me, it's true for all of us who know Jesus here today. We heard Bam's story earlier, how the light of Jesus surrounded and invaded her life. Even her studies have been transformed as she's followed Jesus since encountering him. As we share our stories, I wonder where has the light of Jesus invaded your life? Paul, as he wrote to the church in Corinth, gives us two areas where Jesus' light shines into our lives and invades our lives. And the first of these is our hearts. He tells us that the light of Jesus shines in our hearts. I wonder, how has your heart changed since you encountered Jesus? Did you used to be quick-tempered? Did you used to be hard-hearted? Have you found a new passion has been laid on your heart since you met Jesus? Have you gained a new level of love and compassion for others since you met Jesus? How has Jesus changed your heart since you met him? Paul also tells us how the light of Jesus illuminates our minds and gives us new knowledge Through Jesus, we find fresh revelations of the goodness and wisdom of God. So since you met Jesus, how has your mind changed? Did you used to hate the church, but now you see the beauty of Jesus in his people? Have you come to understand that life is not just some coincidence, but that God created you in his image and has given you a new purpose? Have you recognized that you no longer need to rely on your own strength alone, but you have the strength of God, the creator of heaven and earth, with you and by your side? How has God changed your mind since you met him? This is Saul's story, that he stepped into the light of Jesus, and that light invaded his life, And it remained in him and changed his life for the rest of his life. But not only is that Saul's story, but it's also Bam's story. It's my story. It's the story of the whole church that each one of us have encountered Jesus and his light has shone into our lives. The light of Jesus has shone and invaded us. As we meet Jesus, he changes our hearts, he changes our minds, and he reveals the glory of God to each one of us. And when we meet Jesus, this isn't just like a one-time encounter where we sort of wander down the road and go, oh, there's Jesus, and then wander off and carry on with the rest of our day. As his light invades our lives, it then remains with us. And that light of Jesus remains as we then step into a new identity. Jesus says to Saul, why are you persecuting me? 
Now, obviously, Saul was walking down the road, and Jesus wasn't necessarily or wasn't in the part of the group. He'd ascended back into heaven by this point. Um, so, why was Jesus saying to Saul, "Why are you persecuting me?" Well, the fact is that as Saul persecuted the church, as he persecuted Jesus's followers, Jesus is saying, "I am with those people." As you persecute them, so you are persecuting me. So if we are Jesus' followers today, we can know that we are no longer alone. Because as Saul was persecuting, he says, I am with them. And as we said a couple of weeks ago as well, God is still with us today. We can always know and hold on to that truth. One of the great traits of our story as we follow Jesus, is that no matter what the world throws at us, we are not alone. Whether it's the cost of living crisis, problems with our health, people who are hunting us down and wanting to persecute us, whatever the circumstances that we might be facing, we can know that we are not alone. Saul was intent on destroying the church. But Jesus doesn't say, why are you doing that to them? Instead, he says, why are you doing that to me? We are not alone. As a church together this morning, we can stand that we and, say, and say firmly, we are not alone. If we've encountered Jesus, if we have welcomed him into our hearts, into our lives, we can know that no matter what we face, he is there with us. This message is surely a message that our world needs to hear today. Over 45% of people in the UK apparently feel lonely in some way or another. If you are facing trials and difficulties, if you are finding the system is stacked against you, if you're this morning hurting, if you're in pain, if you're struggling and feeling like you're left to stand all in your own strength and your strength is running out, then let me share my story with you. My story is that I face those same burdens as you have in different ways, I'm sure, but we all face those same pressures. But for me, as I follow Jesus, as I've met Jesus, I can take comfort that I am not alone. And as I share my burdens with Jesus, not only has that burden been lifted, but I'm then able to step out into a new lease of life, into a new lease of freedom, confident that he will see me through. And that can be your story too today. Saul met with Jesus on the road to Damascus, and eventually everything settled down. And everyone was left shocked and amazed at what had just happened. But the next part of Saul's story is that he went out of opposition and he walked into obedience. If I have seen, if I'd have been Saul and I'd been left blinded on the side of the road on the way to Damascus, I think I might have gone, good trip out, but time to go home now and turned around and gone back home wondering what on earth has just happened to me. 
Suddenly, persecuting Christians wouldn't be such a priority to me because I'd just been told off quite severely for that by Jesus himself. Then I'd have been headed off to Damascus, but now I was blind. So in fact, I think I'd just retreat home for a little bit and lick my runes and recuperate. It would be so easy to understand why Saul might have done that. He was a man who was on a mission. He was a strong, zealous leader with a reputation to maintain. But now he'd been well and truly humbled. He couldn't even find his own way to Damascus. How could he possibly let people see him in such a fragile and broken state? But that's not what Saul did. Instead, he emerged from his encounter with Jesus and he obeyed what Jesus told him to do. He dusted himself off. He reached out to his friends around him for some assistance And he shared shared his story with them that Jesus had said, go off to Damascus. And so they led him off to Damascus, just as Jesus had told them to. Our story is not only how we meet Jesus, but it is also the impact that Jesus then has on our lives, of how we are obedient to him, having met him. Being obedient to Jesus might not be easy. It certainly wasn't for Saul. We might have this great big bright light shining experience as we encounter Jesus, but then we're left to fumble around in the dark, blindly finding our way into what, to, trying to live out what Jesus has called us to do. Being obedient might mean that we have to put ourselves into difficult situations or uncertain situations. Notice how Jesus tells, uh, uh, in verse 6, not only tells Saul to go to Damascus, but that's it. He doesn't tell him the rest of the plan. He's probably, Saul's probably thinking, okay, I'll go to Damascus, but then what? But Jesus says the rest will be revealed to you at a later stage. Saul, as he stepped out in faith and in obedience, didn't have the full picture But he went anyway. He didn't have the whole plan and stepped out in faith into the unknown. Being obedient to Jesus might mean that we're left to hold on to those around us, to lead us and help us and and guide us forward. We may have to put our faith and trust in others. We will certainly have to put our faith and our trust in God. It's one thing to encounter Jesus, but it's another thing to obey what he says. Our story is not only one of encountering Jesus, but it's also one of obedience. Paul's story started in opposition, but it finished with obedience. I wonder, for those of us here today who have met Jesus and are following him, What has Jesus called you to do? How have you seen his faithfulness as you've obeyed him, as you've stepped out in faith, as you've placed your trust in him? How can you share the story of God's goodness to you as you've put your trust and your obedience in Jesus? We can all encounter Jesus today. And as we encounter him, we all have a story to share and what a story it is. 
In Jesus, we see and marvel at the wonder of his amazing grace shining into our lives. In Jesus, we encounter the power of his light invading our lives and transforming our lives and remaining with us. And as we meet with Jesus, he invites us to place our trust in him as we step out onto a new adventure with him. This is my story. I met Jesus. Have you met him? If so, how can you share your story? And if you haven't yet met Jesus, I'd love to tell you more about him. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for Jesus, for the wonder of his grace, that not one of us can ever be too far from you to be able to encounter the wonder of your love shining into our lives. And maybe there are even some of us here today or listening to this message, and that is part of their story at this moment. We feel too far from Jesus to be able to welcome his light and to be able to encounter and meet him for ourselves. Lord God, for whoever that might be, we just pray that your grace will continue to shine into the darkness of that moment. Lord, we thank you that each one of us has the opportunity to meet with Jesus to be able to draw near to him, to encounter him for who he is. And Lord, we pray that we might continue to not only meet Jesus, but also to step out on the journey of obedience with him and and place our trust in you as we continue to respond, respond to the wonder of who we have encountered him to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.